Hello, my name is Joe Smith from the Strong Family Network, and I'll be conducting today's match between two members of the Jones family. Today's match consists of a mother and her daughter, Abigail. They're both trying to become victorious and establish better lines of communication. Today expects to be a competitive competition. It looks like they're about to begin, so let's go ahead and cut in live on the action. You never want to be with us. You're always on your phone, with your friends, or in your room. You do realize you have a family that loves you, right? <laughs> That's interesting. What is that supposed to mean? Mom, you never even give me a reason to want to have a full or calm conversation with you. Well, folks, it looks like we have our first penalty of the game. Let's go down to the ref and hear the call. There are two penalties on the play. Lack of communication and complete misunderstanding. Abigail doesn't want to talk to her mom at all. In fact, she doesn't even like being around her. Mm -hmm. And mom, well, she's lost all patience with Abigail, and she yells a lot. The penalties are offsetting. Well, well it appears that both mother and daughter don't agree with the call. Oh, here, look here, folks. There's a challenge on the field. I think the call is going to stand. I just don't think there's enough evidence to overturn the call. If you take a look at the replay, it shows that both players are just not understanding each other. Well, let's go down to the referee and let's hear his call. So after further review, the play stands as called. Just like I thought. Well, it looks like they're lining up for another play. I believe mom has the ball. Let's see what happens. Mom, guess what? So today at school, Abigail, you better get up to your room and clean it. It's a mess. How do you survive in there and the smell? You have a pile of clothes that need to be folded and put away ASAP. Plus, you have a science test tomorrow, and I need you to pass it. Your grades are slacking. How do you expect to get into a great college with your grades so low? You're slacking, and I need you to care. Yes, ma'am. Ooh, that was rough. You know what? Let's go ahead and take a look at an instant replay and let's see how mom read that play. Mom, guess what? So today is school. Oh, hold on, dear. Before I forget, you have a pile of clothes that have been there for a while, so please put them away. Also, I need you to study for that science test. I know you've been struggling, and I'm here to help, but your grades are getting a little low. And I just want you to succeed so you can get to a great college like I know you want to. Yes, ma'am. Well, that looked a little different after taking another look. Well, looks like we have time for one more play. I believe Abigail has the ball. Let's see what happens. Mom, did you forget that tomorrow is dress rehearsal for theater because my red shirt is still dirty? And I know I put it in the dirty clothes basket like two days ago. I already told you that this week was semester final, so you should know that I don't have any time to worry about laundry. Also, I really don't understand why you have to volunteer at the children's hospital every day. I need you. So I'm going to need you to have dinner ready at 5 because my performance is at 8, and you already know that I get nauseous on an empty stomach. How does that sound, Mom? <laughs> okay, Abigail. <laughs> There's a timeout on the field. 
It looks like both players need a break. In the meantime, let's go ahead and look at that last play, and let's see how Abigail read that play. Mom, guess what? I'm so excited. So tomorrow is dress rehearsal for theater, but my red shirt is still dirty. And I know I should have washed it myself or at least asked you a few days ago, but is there any way you could wash it? And I'll just come by during lunch tomorrow and pick it up. Also, I know the kids at the hospital really need you, but is there any way that you could have dinner ready by 5? I want to be ready for my 8 o'clock performance. Is that okay? Yeah. Okay, sh sure. Sure. Is it me, or did Mom look a little confused on that last play? Well, I got to give it up to both of them. They fought a hard, long battle. But let's go ahead and take a look at the end result. Wow, Abigail. I am sorry. I never meant to sound so critical. I'm beginning to understand why you always want to hide away. I truly am sorry, and I love you, and I want to be better. Me too, Mom. I can kind of sound like a brat sometimes. I didn't realize it, but I want to do better too. Touchdown! Oh, well, folks, there you have it. Today was a good day. We had two players who started out upset with each other. But they have seemed to, to fix things and become victorious. I will conclude my final thoughts about today's match. As a parent, we don't always take into account what our words sound going into our children's ears. Parents, we love our kids. We love spending quality time together with them. But the next time you don't get that quality time, don't be so quick to blame them. And kids... Keep in mind, your, your parents love you very much. They're trying very hard to help grow you into that right kind of adult. Next time, take a few steps back and think about what your words sound to them. Both of you need to remember that the words you think you say aren't always the words they hear. Well, I hope you'd enjoy today's match. This is Joe Smith signing out from the Strong Family Network. Hey, welcome Westover Hills. We are so glad that you are all here tonight. I'm Pastor Tito, your high school and young adults pastor. And, oh, thank you. Appreciate that. Thank you. You are too kind. <laughs> hey, so we are at the very end of a sermon series that we've been doing called uh, Stronger Families. And tonight we wanted to zero in on quality time. And just like that, that skit depicted so well, we understand there are some major, major barriers to quality time. And I think all of us, we kind of have this perfect picture in our minds, this 1920 by 1080 resolution wallpaper in our brains, what we think the perfect quality time looks like. And for some of us in the room, if you've got littles, Maybe for you, quality time looks like getting home early enough to play on the floor with them or, or to have some tea parties and you get to be Princess Strumpet, you know, or, or to go to Corpus Christi and make sandcastles. For others of you, if maybe you have teenagers, quality time for you in your mind may look like getting to spend time sitting around uh, on the floor with them and just talking about who's dating who in their friend circle which is a never-ending, always entertaining conversation. 
Or maybe for you, if you have a teenager, it's discussing the latest boy band or the not-so-latest boy band and how Harry was always better than Zayn and we're glad that they broke up like it was about time. For some of us, quality time looks like the time we spend with our spouse or with our girlfriend. It may look like having a nice meal at some place that just keeps the bread coming. You know those places? They, you know, you can get as much free water as you want, as much bread, hallelujah, with that cinnamon butter. Oh my gosh, sorry, I think I'm sinning. And, and you know what that's like? Because you get, to, you get to have a meal with the person you care about and not just talk about bills and not just talk about work and not just talk about stress, but talk about what's on your heart. And you get to talk about what's on your mind. For others of us, quality time is making time for our grandma, making time for, to hear her, her timeless wisdom and to eat her timeless tamales, hallelujah, right? <laughs> Gloria a Dios. For, for others of us, quality time may look like getting to hang out with our best friends and going on some crazy adventure and making memories that'll either get us in jail or, le- or we'll remember a lifetime. And for many of us, this is what quality time looks like. And I think about my life and I think about the way that my dad invested hours and hours of quality time into me. When I was just 10 years old, my dad taught me how to play guitar And we would spend hours in our dingy little den at at our house playing the monkeys and CCR and the Beatles and songs my dad wrote. And it was because of those hours and hours of playing music that many of our our middle schoolers don't even know who these bands are. Uh, Because of those hours that I developed a love for music. And it's because of that that I started, when I started going to church, I got involved in a worship team. And after being involved in the worship team, I gave my life to Jesus and I eventually got called into the ministry and I look back and I can see the way quality time made a difference in my life. And when I think about my mom and I think about all the nights that I would uh, procrastinate on my big projects that I had, my mom would stay up with me for hours and hours and she would not let me go to bed until I had a project that was, that was worthy of my last name, if you know what I mean. And my mom made sure, she made sure that it was done and it was done well. And here's what I think is so interesting, is that in hindsight, when I look at it, I realize that my mom, even though she had to wake up earlier than I did, even though her losing sleep was more detrimental to her day than me losing sleep, she did it because she knew she was making investments into my life. She knew she was teaching me some valuable things about excellence and about hard work and not quitting until the job was done. And she knew that she was investing in a time period in my life that she would never, ever get another chance to invest in in the way that she did then. And so today, as we talk about quality time, if we're honest with ourselves, unintentionally, too often, we tend to let the urgent crowd out the important. We're putting out fires at work. So-and-so is having baby mama drama with so-and-so. We've got to finish this big deadline by this big timeline. We, you know, it's April and it's, we cannot afford an extension. And we all know how that is. And here's what I think is so interesting. That some of the most important things in life, the most important priorities, tend to not have obvious deadlines. Any parents in the room of elementary age kids? Just curious. You have elementary age kids, all right. Any parents of first graders? Just curious. 
Parents of first, hallelujah, God bless you. Parents of first graders. You know, if, if you were to take some time and just kind of do the math for a moment, if you have a first grader, you have roughly 583 weeks until they graduate high school. And some of you are like, yes, Lord. Like, I can't even see the finish line right now. You know, it just feels so far. But once you realize that once summer break hits, that becomes 574 weeks. Once the new school year starts in August, that's 561 weeks. And once Christmas comes around, that big 583 number dropped down to 544 weeks. Do we have any parents in the room of sixth graders? You have a sixth grader. All right, all right, we see you, tired, exhausted, and amazing, right? You parents of sixth graders, you have 332 weeks left until your kid's graduation. If you have a freshman in high school, that's 166 weeks till they graduate. If you have a senior in high school, that's roughly nine more weeks till they graduate. And all the seniors in the house said, amen, hallelujah, glory to the Lamb. And I want you to hear this quote. Uh, This is a quote from Neil A. Fiore. It says, there's a myth that time is money. In fact, time is more precious than money because it's a non-renewable resource. Once you spend it and you spend it badly, it's gone forever. Man, how true this is. So many of us, we've spent years in regret for the sake of this profound truth. Why didn't I invest more time into the moments that meant the most with the people that meant the most? It'll cause you to rethink working late or going to your daughter's basketball game or going to your son's soccer game. It'll cause you to smile more in pictures. It'll make, it'll make you listen more intently and wholeheartedly, even when it sounds trivial and it sounds minor. It'll make you rethink skipping out, even on your prayer time with Jesus, when you realize what quality time does. And I think it's so important that we recognize that we tend to let the urgent crowd out the important And so for the sake of our discussion, we're going to call the urgent things elephants. And you know the elephants in your lives because these are the things that you stress out so bad about that you just, you can't seem to see around them. And you're you're trying to look around them, but they're just so huge. They're the big projects. They're the big obstacles. These are the, the huge time wasters in your life. This may be that show on Netflix that you watch every day after work to help you decompress. This may be that job that you hate that affects you hours and hours and hours after you clock out, but you're too scared to find another job. For some of you, this may be that sport or that instrument you play only to please your family or only to please your friends. For some of you, the elephant in your lives is that person you date. You don't really like them, but you don't want to hurt their feelings. You know, you, you would hate for them to think negatively towards you. You'd hate for them to have a bad day, so you just kind of keep dating them. Vilfredo Pareto says it this way. He says, if you're Noah and your ark is about to sink, he said, you need to look for the elephants first because if you throw out a bunch of small little animals first, then your ark's going to keep sinking, right? He says, so find the elephants first, throw them overboard, and you're in much better shape right? I mean, I'm just, my theory is that's where the dinosaurs went, okay? That's just, I'm no theologian, maybe, I don't know. 
But some of us have these huge elephants in our lives that we need to identify and we need to kick out. Because how you choose to spend your time comes at a price. And we know this. Because when you waste your time, you feel it. You may feel overwhelmed. You may feel stressed. You may feel like you're, you're just not getting everything done. You may feel guilty because you're letting somebody else down. And, and I mean, Jesus said, love one another as yourself. So many of us, the way we interpret that is we say, well, that means I need to always go above and beyond. That means I need to always accommodate other people no matter what. But listen to this quote from, from author and speaker Lisa Turkhurst. She's actually our women's conference speaker this, uh, this year in, in September. So you, sh- you may want to write this one down. This is super good. She says, we must not confuse the command to love with the disease to please. We must not confuse the command to love with the disease to please. And so often in our lives, we do things for approval. We do things because we feel guilty if we don't do it. We do things because we just want to be liked so badly, because we just need to be needed. But you need to hear this. Whenever you say yes to something, there is less of you for something else. So make sure that your yes is worth the less. And here's this idea that how can you make sure what you're doing counts? How can you make sure that you're picking the most valuable yes over the less valuable no? And I believe, my friends, that that starts with clarity. We have to figure out what are my passions? What are your passions? Are they your kids? Are they your spouse or your girlfriend or your boyfriend? Are they your parents? Is it your family? Is it your friends? Because if these people are the most important to you, then they should be getting more of your time than the people and the things that are less important to you. What are the causes that you feel most deeply about? What are the the burdens that God has put on your heart? The things that he's just driving you that you eat, sleep, and breathe and think about all the time. For some of you in this room, it may be working with little kids. And on your heart, you're just thinking, man, I just wish I could help children. I wish I could do something. Then friends, maybe your best yes is saying yes to volunteering in the kids' ministry. But here's my encouragement. When you volunteer, take with you the people that you love. Take with you the people that you want alongside you in your life. If maybe it's defending the helpless, it's kids in the foster care system, maybe it's helping women who've been abused or sold into sex trafficking, or when you think of the elderly and how they can't defend themselves, it just drives you. It just keeps you awake at night. It pushes you to do something. And you feel the most satisfied when you're furthering these causes. Then friends, I believe it's because God has wired you to serve in these areas. And let me encourage you that when you find a way to serve, do it with your family. Do it with the people that you care about. Maybe one of your passions is a sport. Then learn to engage that sport with the people you care about, not apart from them. Here at Westover, we have these sports leagues where where if you love basketball, you can go and you can be a coach. And you can coach your own kids' basketball team. And you could be a part of the action. You could, the whole Bobby Knight thing, you could be throwing chairs. Like, it's just wonderful. It's great. But this is what we mean. Do it with the people that you care about. 
This is the essence of quality time, sharing the things you care about the most with the people you care about the most. Because if you can determine which areas that you're passionate about, which areas bring you energy and supercharge your life, then these areas will begin to become the filters for your decision making. Friends, we have to start asking ourselves some hard questions like, what am I willing to fail at? What am I willing to not be very good at? To be a great mom, what are you willing to fail at? Are you willing to fail at always having the perfectly clean house so you can spend more time with your kids? Are you willing to fail at looking perfect on Instagram and trying to compete with all the super moms on Instagram? To be a great dad, are you willing to fail at being one of the guys who's always hanging out together with all the work buddies after work and getting drinks with the boss to spend more time with your family? Are you willing to fail at pretending to know all the answers so you can learn to talk it through with your spouse and with your kids? To be a great spouse, are you willing to fail at always being right and learn to be unselfish when you get home? To be a great friend, are you willing to fail at being popular with the in crowd so you can spend time with the people who matter the most? You see, when you know your yes, it's so much easier to say no. When you know your yes, and for many of us, that would be a great place to start. Because many of us in this room, we spend all this time creating these elaborate to-do lists. And our to-do lists are ever-growing. And sometimes they get fancier because we buy fancier journals for our to-do list. And sometimes they get more techie because we start using a cool app program on our phone for our to-do list. And and our to-do lists are ever-growing. But let me encourage you, some of us in this room need to stop the to-do list and create a to-don't list. Because not everything on our to-do list has equal value. Not everything on our to-do list is all that important and we need to stop and make a list of things that we say, from here on out, these are what I used to do. From here on out, these are things I used to say yes to, these are some elephants, but I'm getting them out of my life. I'm gonna put an end to it, maybe just for now, maybe forever. Some of you, you may have elephants like unhealthy relationships. Your elephants may be your boyfriend, or, or that unhealthy friendship that's dragging you down and keeping you from the future that God has for you. Some of you, your elephants may be the voices in your head that are telling you that you're not good enough and that you'll never be good enough. For some of you, it's the social media that you can't get off of, that you spend so many hours being consumed with comparing yourself with other people and with what other people are doing and what they have. But listen to what Paul says in Philippians chapter 3. He says, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. You see, Paul called everything he used to do And before Paul knew Jesus, his life was consumed with being the most brilliant. Paul wanted to be the guy with the most accolades and the highest pedigrees. He wanted to be the most religious. 
He wanted to be the most respected. He wanted to know the law forward and backward. But when Paul had an encounter with Jesus, when Paul found what what Scripture refers to as a treasure hidden in a field, as a pearl of great price, Paul realized that he had to say no to some elephants in his life because the yes was so much better than anything else he had ever put in his life before. And he uses such strong terminology. He says, everything else is rubbish. It's trash. The the word would be comparable to when you're walking down the street and, and you know you don't have a dog and you're like, how did that get there? And, and you're like, what in the world? These are my new Jordans. You're like, Pastor, yeah, we know you don't have any Jordans, right? But you're like, oh my gosh, I just, that's what that word means. And what Paul is saying is that everything else is worthless when you find Jesus, when you find the most important yes. And when you know your yes, it makes those fork in the road decisions that much easier because you have a filter for your decision-making. Listen to this quote. It says, men do not decide their futures. They decide their habits, and their habits decide their future. Man, think about that for a moment. What you do daily is deciding who or what you will become permanently. What you're doing daily is creating the future that you've always wanted or a future that you will dread. Scripture says that Jesus regularly went to the synagogue. Jesus went to the hillside to pray, as was his custom. Jesus regularly went to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. Because here's the idea, friends. Successful people do consistently what normal people do occasionally. Successful people do consistently what normal people do occasionally. And my question is, what habits do you need to begin to put in place to help you begin to prioritize the relationships that matter the most to you? What habits do you need to say no to in order to say your best yes? Charles Finney said it this way, the busier I get, the more I cannot afford to skip my time with the Lord. Wow. Jeannie Mayo, a longtime youth pastor, says it like this, You can trace the failure or success of every man to something that he permitted daily to occur in his life, in his body, or in his mind. Think about that. That your success, your success is based on the things that you're allowing yourself to chew on and to think about and to do and what's becoming normal for you in your everyday And if quality time is the goal, friends, it doesn't just happen. It only happens by intentionality because the truth is every decision leads somewhere. There's no decision that you make that is disconnected from the rest of your life. What you watch, the music you listen to, the voices you listen to, what you do, what you don't do, it's all shaping you and it's all shaping your future because the decisions you make today matter. Every decision we make is putting us on a trajectory, either to to have the future that we hope for or to take us a place that we don't want to go. 
I love this quote. It says, the prudent man or woman understands that all of life is connected. He is aware of the cause and effect relationship between what he chooses today and what he experiences tomorrow. If you would bow your heads and close your eyes all around this room as the prayer team comes forward. If you're listening, and as you evaluate your life, as you take a moment and you just begin taking inventory of your day and your priorities, if you would say, man, I, I need to get an elephant out of my life. I've got an elephant in my life. It's, it's a time waster. Maybe it's a friendship. Maybe it's a relationship that's holding you back. Maybe you've just let the urgent crowd out the important. And maybe you need a little discernment because it's a good thing you're doing, but it's not the best thing you should be doing. Friends, if you're here and you just need God's strength and his boldness to learn to say no so you can have the time and energy for your best yes, to say yes to the things that God has put in your life that will energize you, that will give you purpose, and you need God's help finding the courage to respectfully decline. In a moment, we're gonna ask that you would join us at these altars. In just a moment, we're gonna ask for you to come down and and one of our prayer team is, is gonna put a hand on your shoulder or an arm around your neck and they're just gonna trust God along with you. Or maybe you're here and you would say, I need God's help getting rid of some ungodly habits and forming some godly habits because you know the decisions you're making are taking you where you don't want to go. You, you remember that you can trace the failure or success of every man to something he permitted daily to occur in his life or in his body or in his mind and it's just burning you on the inside. If that's you here in a moment, we're going to give you a chance to come down and let's, let's do some business with Jesus. Let's do some business with Jesus. And if you're here lastly, and you just need wisdom on how to redeem the time, Ephesians 5 says it like this, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise making the most of every opportunity. The King James says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. If you feel like you've been squandering and wasting your time and you know you can't get it back, but you need to learn to trust the Lord and have him give you some wisdom to make the most of the time that you have left, but you just don't know where to start, then this altar's for you too. And here's what I'd like for us to do if we could stand all around this room. If any one of those three calls identified with your heart, if you would boldly move from your chair and make your way to this altar, and we're just gonna spend some time talking to Jesus. We're gonna spend some time talking to the one solution to every problem. The one person who knows you better than you know yourself. 
and who's ready to help and make a difference in your life. Come on, if we could all around this place, if you just throw both hands in the air just for a moment. God, speak to me. God, move on the inside of my life. Lord, search me right now and see if anything inside of me would grieve your heart. Lord, please help me see, God, and you take it away. God, see me, test my anxious thoughts. God, you know my world. God, I just pray that every person in this room right now, you begin to speak to, God. What are the elephants in their lives that they need to get rid of so they can spend quality time where it counts? God, what are those elephants? The things that are dragging them down, the things that are wasting them. What is the urgent that's crowding out the importance. God, I pray you begin to give boldness that some of these, God, would begin saying, you know what, it's time for me to find a job that's a little bit more fulfilling. You know what, it's time for me to stop doing that one thing that I've been doing because it's been an obligation and it's time for me to start serving in the place that I know God told me to serve. And for those in the room that have ungodly habits, oh God, that you would set us free. God, that you would just set us free all around this room. God, that right now your Holy Spirit would come in like a flood because we believe this, that this Friday is celebrating the day that our Savior died for the sins of all humanity. And that this coming Sunday is celebrating the day that our Savior conquered death, hell, the grave, and sin, and addiction, and bondage, and everything that makes us fall short in our lives. God, so we give you all the praise tonight. God, we give you all the praise. And God, as we worship you, Lord, we believe that you're beginning to unlock chains. We believe that you're beginning to loosen chains. God, as we magnify your position in our lives, as we realize how great you are and how big you are and how sin is just a little footnote in this story and how the devil is just a side character in this story, but you are the main character. God, as we focus on you, Lord, I pray that you begin to change habits in this room that you would challenge many in this room to begin finding accountability, to begin surrounding themselves with other men and women who love you and and who are going to say, no, 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 no. We're going to conquer this together. We're not going to quit until you're free. And Lord, for those in this room, God, who've squandered the time, who look back on the last 10, 20, 30 years with such regret and ache because they didn't get to be the dad that they wanted to be. They didn't get to be the husband they wanted to be and now they're an ex-husband. They didn't get to be the mom. They didn't get to be the friend that they wanted to be. And now that person's out of their lives. God, I just pray that you would set them free from the guilt and the shame that they're under tonight. God, that you begin to set people free from the guilt that they've been carrying and the bondage. And that from here on out, God, that we would redeem the time. 
that from here on out, that we would make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil, living wise, not as unwise, not being foolish, but understanding what the Lord's will is. God, that in this room, God, that those watching by live stream, God, that we would make some decisions to call some people on the phone and ask for forgiveness. God, that we would make some hard decisions to schedule lunches with people and to make some stuff right that we've been sweeping under the rug for too long, that we would begin to redeem the time for the days are evil. God, we love you. God, we love you. God, we love you. We're so grateful that we serve a God who's in the business of making new. That we serve a God who's in the business of making our lives better than they've ever been before. Because when our lives are yielded to you, God, we are most completely satisfied when you are most fully glorified. Lord, do that in us. God, make us holy, make us more like you. In the mighty name of Jesus.